doesn't know it but the Lord spoke to me about two o'clock this morning and I'm not negating anybody that helped in vacation Bible school but Patty has come nightly for several years and she has served from six o'clock to nine o'clock every night and Friday night I watched her and she did not sit down one time as she served everybody that came through that line now she might get a little cantankerous with you once in a while. <laughs> but we all have that in us, let's be honest. 
But I want to tell you that the Lord said, give her some roses this morning. And she doesn't know it, but she shared something with me. As she's seen these flowers, and I have to apologize to you because I said they were alert, a late birthday gift because you said, oh, those are beautiful. I couldn't say, well, they're for you. <laughs> so I apologize. But she told me a story not knowing that I had those flowers for her. And the story was they gave roses out one time in church, and they called everybody to the front but me, and they gave me mine as I went out the door. Now, I don't know what that was all about, other than they said she didn't need the accolade that other younger people needed. But I want to tell you something, Patty. I thank you for serving the Lord. I thank you for being a witness to me that at her age, I'm sure that besides maybe, I know Wanda's probably 10 or 15 years behind her, but besides Wanda, Patty is close to 90 years old. And she has put a lot of all of us younger people to shame. But I want to thank you for working for the Lord. And I give you these roses this morning as a token from the Heavenly Father. If it wasn't for the Lord, I wouldn't have been able to do it. And I thank him every day for the strength that he gives me, even to serve at home and to serve here. Some trials may come from day to day, heartache and sorrow may come my way, but nothing can stop me from holding on with Jesus' walk. Christ will shine his light. 
vacation Bible school on a Tuesday when my vacation Bible school teacher looked at me and he said, do you know the Lord? I think I was about nine. That was heavy for a nine-year-old, but I needed to know him. And I remember saying that prayer, my life's never been the same. And in the book of Acts, Paul declared that in him we live, move, gives our breath and it says that he breathed upon them the Holy Ghost and when he created Adam and Eve it says that he breathed upon them the breath of life thank him this morning join me you give life you are love you bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore
to your side Heaven is real Death is a lie I want to hear voices Of angels above Singing as
watched this week the uh, BBS. I came every night and watched the little kids. And I wanted this message to be stemmed toward the children. And the reason I say that, not that I'm talking to the children, I'm talking to the adults, but I want you to hear it because this is something God has instructed the people, God's people, to do. And it's not just have BBS, but it's the teaching of children. The teaching of children, if you're waiting for this country or this world to teach them about God, you're going to miss it. You got to understand that if they're going to get taught about God and if they're going to learn what it means to trust God, they're going to learn it from us. Learn it from the church. Learn it from those that follow God. Learn it from coming to the house of God and somebody teaching them about Jesus. Because they're not going to hear that in the world. They're not going to hear that in their school system. There's nobody else that's instructing our children are, is going to do that. In fact, it's been boycotted. It's been put out of our nation. And you've heard this before, and you don't want to hear a lot of it no more. But I want you to hear something today because I want to talk to you a little bit about the generations. Did you know generations have been going on for a long time? And I want to talk to you tonight about the different generations, but I also want to bring up to this morning about uh, some things, and I want you to listen first, this first verse. It says in 33, uh, chapter of Psalms, verse 11, it says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, and the thoughts of his heart to all generations. How many knows God has a heart to every generation? They said a few years ago that the World War II veterans and that World War II generation is probably the greatest generation. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something that I agree. I don't think one generation is one bit better than the other. I've got to tell you the honest truth. But I can tell you also that in this generation that we're living and in the world we're living, we're getting farther away from God. I don't have to tell you that. You can see it. You can see it in a Christian nation, how we're getting farther away. Not only getting away from his word, we're deluding it and claiming we are a part of it. But the real truth is we don't study it. We don't think about it. We don't learn it. And we don't hand it to our children because the world doesn't want us to. They're putting up an opposition. And I'm saying that for a purpose because I want you to get how serious the day that we're living in. I can look back at Abraham's generation. I can look all the way through the generations as I go back and I can see a lot of times there were good things happen. Do you know when our generation, 911 happened? I mean, here's what I'm saying. You know what? When 911 happened, the well, first thing I said when I got on my knees and asked God, God, why did this happen here? Are we letting you down so much that judgment's coming upon us? Now, you can think what you want, but as a child of God, I believe the land that God gave us is important. And I believe the place God gave us is important. And this generation, the generations before, back when my father was in, uh, was in World War II, and Carl and different ones, can I tell you something? Uh, Pearl Harbor happened. And I can tell you, we hadn't, we hadn't hardly ever been attacked on our own land before. 
But can I tell you something? I, I wonder about all the prayers then. Oh, God, are you bringing judgment upon America? If you would look back at one of the generations during uh, the Jewish people as they came forth, you would understand and you would think to yourself, if something bad happened, like a great drought or something bad happened, you'd say they probably weren't living right. There's something going on in that generation that wasn't right, and God's bringing judgment. God is stepping back and allowing the enemy to move in. I mean, here's what I'm saying. I'm trying to tell you something because I believe it's the most important thing for us to understand where we are today. Can I tell you something? We have something to shout about today. Why? Because I want to read the last verse I got wrote on here. You are a chosen generation. Now, let me tell you something. He's talking to Christians. And I I'm not getting on to the numbers of how long a generation is. I'm not getting on. I'm talking about everyone that belongs to him is a chosen generation. I mean, here's what I'm saying. He says you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the last one. I was really saving that one to just, you know what, say to myself, praise God, we're not stuck in this generation. We are in this generation, and on our outside eyes, and what we hear with our ears, guess what? We're discouraged with what's going on in our country. We're discouraged with what's going on in our world. Now, you can think what you want, and I'm not going to get political, but I'll tell you right now, I don't believe January 6th meant a whole lot of anything other than a lot of deception. You know what? You can think that's the worst thing we ever did. They're trying, they, they tried to compare it with with uh, 911 and Pearl Harbor. But that's how wicked the people were. And I don't believe that in a morning goose. Sorry. I don't accept that. You know what I think? I think the devil's lying. The devil's lying and we're standing back while those high up people are making choices to keep people in prison and do no, didn't do nothing but go up there. They didn't go up there to fight a war. They didn't go to the, to the uh, steps up there and, and proclaim, let's fight somebody. Let's whip somebody. No, they went as a peaceful protest. And I think they were encouraged by all kinds of those that mixed herself in there and started it. And then they want to slander our country with it and slander everybody that went up there that day. Some people were just up there because they didn't like the way the election went. They didn't think it was right or fair. Well, I could have went for that reason. I didn't like abortion, so I could have went for that reason. I could have went for a lot of different reasons. But I didn't go, but I'm sure that some of those people that went didn't go up there to, to fight some big fight. That wasn't what it was about. But how many knows there's a lot of lies and deception going on? Our generation's very obviously uh, living in the last days. And I'm going to get into that. And first I want to go to Psalm 78. 78th chapter of Psalms, and I want you to start at verse 1. And I want you to hear what this is saying. 
It says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he hath established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. I mean, here's what I'm saying. God has established Israel. God established way back with Abraham's family. He started the land of, and the children of Israel. But can I tell you some? The generations have died off, and a lot of the people, even the Jewish people, even at this time, were not teaching their children what God had done through Israel. Now, you know what that tells me? That tells me we better start telling what's happened to us. If you've got a testimony inside of you, which God put in Israel, that I will take care of my own. If you've got a testimony in, guess what? You need to be telling somebody. You need to be telling all those that will listen to you. Because if there's a hope for tomorrow, it's in him. If there's a hope for our children tomorrow, it's in him. I want our children to know it's okay to throw your hands in the air, to lift up, your lift up his name, and to shout it from the housetops. Because he is still Lord of all. He's not changed. He's not turned away. And I don't care what this generation does. It does not going to take away what God has done. Never has, never will. There ain't enough generations to take it away. Because God is bigger than they are. He goes on to say this. Look at verse 6. That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare to their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God and to keep his commandments and might not as their fathers, listen to this, not as their fathers did, a stubborn and rebellious generation, but a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. How many knows Israel came to a time when God brought them into bondage. Why? They turned away from God. They become stubborn and rebellious to God. Can I tell you something? The church can't do that. If we do that, guess what? We might as well Close these doors. We're, if we're not going to teach the children and tell them about the, what happened in our life, I can still remember, my brothers and sisters can remember my dad telling how he got saved that night. They, all the grandkids can tell you how he got saved that night. Why? Because he ain't never shut up about it. Amen. He told it a bunch of times. We all knew about it. How the leaves were waving, that stars were blinking at him. He thought God was just personally giving him attention, and maybe he was. But I'm going to tell you something. It's real inside, and we have to tell the children around us that it's real. I heard the kids out here this week, and they would scream at the top of their lungs. I had to hold this. I got crazy ears. The kids didn't do it. I already got the problem, but 
The truth is, they get loud and they get high pitched, and I got to hold one ear and cup the other one to figure out how to listen to them. But they get excited. They want to scream and holler every time Rich would say something. And I'm thrilled with it. You know what? It's not because Rich is entertaining them. It's not just because there's little gifts up here, because most of the little gifts that they get, guess what? They're junk. They're going to be thrown down just about as soon as they get to the car. But they want to win. So they get excited. But can I tell you, Rich is doing all of that, and his family's doing all that, and this church is trying to do that for one reason, that our little children will hear about Jesus. That they'll know what it means to get up here on a Thursday night. Every Thursday night, they have prayer for them to get saved if they want to. And Rich will lead them through the scriptures and show them. And he'll have them to come up and pray. I think it's most important, all of you that put your time in and comes out here year after year. I've seen it. What else do we supposed to do? This Bible tells me we're to teach our children what God has done in us. He's been faithful throughout the years. When I began to come to Christ, I didn't know what the Bible said. I'd heard it from my father and mother, but mostly I ran from it. But when I began to read it, Carl, it began to get inside of me. And all of a sudden, I got into the stories. And I love to read the stories and, and hear how God came to the rescue again. I guess that's why I like to watch westerns. I like to see the good guy with a white hat on come strolling in. Because I'm waiting for the good things to happen. For the evil to be put down. I'm waiting for God to do a new miracle in a life that needs changed. Use this scripture many times in the uh, baby dedications, but in Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7, it says, In these words which I command thee this day, Moses is saying it, shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You need to be talking about God. You need to, you know what? If it runs your children off, guess what? One day, it will bring them back. One day, God will reach into their heart because they're going to, even if they rebel against you, they're going to find out what you were telling them was the truth. And you hold on to that truth. Because that's what's going to bring them home. When they get out in this world and the world eats them up or, or they do things and they realize how far away they are from what they've been taught or what God has done in, has done in their parents' life or, or the lives that they've seen, they'll want to find out, how do I get back? And see, that's why God sent his son, that we can be forgiven. He didn't come for those that were well, he came for us that were sick. And we were all sick with sin and needed a Savior. And our little children need to hear that and know about it. You can't tell me they don't know. They know. They'll say stuff that, that adults can't say and get away with it because they have a pure heart. They know what put, is put on their heart. Praise God. 
In Psalms 71, listen to this one, 17 and 18. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now listen to it. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. How many knows that's what ought to be in our hearts? See, Lord, I know I'm getting old and gray-headed. Oh, God, don't let us fail to hand this generation the truth of your word, the truth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Not that we don't show this generation the power of God that's able to change a life. We can't show it if we don't live it. We can't portray it to no one if we don't talk about it and live it. That's why we come together. I don't come here to see how you dress this week. I didn't come here to see if my tie matched my wife's clothes. We try, but, you know, sometimes it don't, sometimes it does. But ain't that goofiest reason? You know what? I come here because I want to be around God's people. I know the spirit that's in you, and I have that in me, and I want to be a part of it. Wherever it's gathering together. He, I know we gather together for that reason. Ethel needs prayer. Dorothy, you need prayer. All, all of us need prayer at times. But sometimes it's urgent. And sometimes it's coming to the house of God. And getting in amongst to God's people. And feeling the presence of God. And singing the songs. We'll lift you up and you go back out encouraged. We need to be encouraged today. Verse or chapter 90 of Psalms, verse 1 and 2. Lord, thou hast been my, our dwelling place in all generations. Where can you hide in this world? You can't hide nowhere. World's evil, but guess where our, guess where our refuge is? It's in Jesus. It's in him we hide. In all generations, God has reached out and he's put his arms around. I think about World War II and I think about all the soldiers that when the, we tried to stay out of that war. But when Pearl Harbor happened, we signed up to go to war. We got in. We didn't get in a little bit, Ben. We went in to win. And when we went in to win, it took our children. It took the sons and the daughters leaving from home, never knowing if they'd ever see them again. It took the parents getting on their knees and praying for God's grace for this land and, and their children. Let me tell you something other. God was in that generation. There was evil things that happened, but the God was still there. And God's still here today. He's still doing many mighty things. He's still changing lives. Praise God. We have got to keep on praising him and keep teaching about Jesus. Because the longer I look at our nation, I see it's drifting farther and farther away. Don't tell them about Jesus. Just get those Christian people out of the situation because we don't want them talking about Jesus. 
They don't want our children. They cannot control your children if you teach them about the freedom in Christ. They can't control it. Even little Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she was magnifying the Lord after the angel said what he said, she said this in verse 50 of Luke 1, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. You know God's just waiting on us to say, Lord, I need you. I can't do this myself. I ain't big enough, God. I ain't strong enough. Our army ain't big enough. Our wisdom ain't big enough. We need a savior. We need, a, we need somebody with power to change things. Somebody bigger than our little minds. Praise God. From generation to generation, those that fear him, there's mercy. Now I want you to hear this. Proverbs 30, four verses. And I want you to hear what it's saying. There is a generation, listen to this, that curses their father and does not bless their mother. It's verse 11 of Proverbs 30. Verse 12, there is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet are not washed in their own filthiness. Uh-oh. Sounds like the generation we're in. We look good in our own eyes. We do everything right in our eyes. But we don't even repent of our sin inside of us. We don't even come to God and say, we even need you, Lord. We don't need the sacrifice that your son gave to set us free. We're doing it okay by ourselves. Listen to this generation. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaw teeth as knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, and the needy from among men. Those four verses, he's talking about a generation. Which generation is he talking about? I don't know of one that's happened before that's like this one, that fits these words, except the one we're in. You say, well, that's terrible. You shouldn't say that. It's a good country. We got good people here. I believe there's a lot of good people showed up on January 6th up there. But we're wrote down as a terrible generation of people that is going against our own constitution, they're accusing. I don't agree with that. We have to stand for Jesus. We have to have the strength to say, I don't care if you laugh at me. I don't care if you make fun of me. I don't care if you cannot see it. I still have to tell you Jesus loves you. And I still have to tell you he's able to change this world. He's able to heal this generation. Mark, uh, Matthew 24. I want you to turn there, if you will. Matthew 24. This Matthew 24 
is believed to be talking about the last generation. Did you know there's coming a day when the last generation and then the generations will be over? What are you talking about? After that, it's the millennial reign. It's not going to be no little generation. Things will change then. Jesus is coming back to reign and rule. And Satan will be put away for a thousand years. Won't be no generation. He who will show up and place the enemy where he belongs. But until that day, even through the tribulation, that generation has got to come to pass. How many knows what I'm talking about? The last day generation will come to pass. It says it in this chapter. In verse 6, and I want to talk about last generation, last day generation signs. What are the signs? Are they just spiritual signs that you're looking for? Because I can tell you sometimes you can come and see it in the churches. You can see how the enemy has moved in and backed people away from They don't want to talk about spiritual things because we can't control the spiritual things. Let's do a program. A program will be fine. Now listen to me. I'm not trying to criticize nobody. I'm trying to tell you what this generation. This generation you will be able to see with these physical eyes and hear with your physical ears. It says in verse 6 of Matthew, he says, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. How many believes we're in the last generation? Do you believe it? Oh, well, maybe it'll go another 100, 200 years. Maybe not, maybe not my lifetime, maybe the next generation's lifetime. See, I thought about those things many times. My father, and I remember Duran's father, uh, Duran Dessel's father saying, I'm just going to wait and go in the rapture. I ain't going to worry about that retirement stuff. I'm going in the rapture. You know what? A lot of times we look at it that way. And a lot of times when we look out at our world, we realize they can't last forever doing what they're doing. It's but by the grace of God we're here where we are today. But it says here there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Verse 7, for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. What does that mean? See, I think there's sorrow. You cannot hardly watch the news without being sorry you watched it. They will bring sorrow to your heart. They'll put you down on the ground and you'll think, what in the world happened to our decent country? What kind of a country do our little children and our, our BBS children got to grow up in? What are they going to face in 20 years from now and 30 years from now? If we can't stand against what the enemy's doing, what are they going to stand against? If we don't teach them and God don't call them and God don't equip them with what they need to fight this battle. See, God has already done the work and we can be equipped to do whatever God wants us to do. And can I tell you, the enemy will fight it. He fought they was trying to make a statement just like they did. They got suckered into it. But they tried to make a statement on January 6th. 
Well, they got suckered into it, and now it turned, turned around on them. But the real truth is, it happens in anything you do for God, guess what? The enemy will show up with you. And he'll be there to destroy what you're trying to do. All these are the beginning of sorrow. I don't believe that means that that's the beginning of the tribulation. I believe it's the beginning of sorrows. I think you can look around and recognize the generation you're in. You say, well, that's, that's really hard. So you mean this is the last? Well, how long does the generation last? There's not a time on it. Can I tell you? You can talk about the generation that God took uh, the children of Israel that was out in the wilderness, all of them 20 and older, and he waited for them all to die in the wilderness. You can say, well, that was a generation, 40, 50 years, or whatever it was. You can say it all you want to, but you ain't going to put it. Uh, Abraham was in a generation, uh, and it calls him a generation. You can look at that in, in Matthew 1, in the begots. Abraham was in his own generation. He lived 175 years. David was in his own generation. He lived 70 years. Now, why? How can you put a number on it? See, whatever the generation is, the generation is your period of time to live in that you're accountable to. That's your generation. You know what? I don't know what else you look at, but I look at, since 1973, me and my wife graduated and got married. Can I tell you something? 1973 is when abortion was put in. And all my life, for 50 years almost, me and my wife, has voted to, to change that. But you know what? It's never changed. Just till this last little while, it never had changed. You think I don't feel accountable? Do I look at my kids? Do I blame my parents? I can blame anybody I want to, but I am accountable to pray against what the enemy is trying to do. So are you. And the best thing you can do is live for God with all of your heart. You can't fix things, but God can fix things. When he sees a people humbling themselves before him and repenting, he will change things. In verse 12, he says, Because iniquity shall abound, listen to this, Because iniquity shall abound, that's sins, the love of many shall wax cold. How many of those people's turning cold? They don't really have compassion no more. There is no more compassion. They'll tell you they care about the people coming across the border, but they don't care. We tell we care about our neighbors, but we don't care. It's not about whether you can match what your neighbors got or whether you look as good as they do. Can I tell you something? Do they know you're a child of God? Have you ever told them that Jesus loves them? Don't you realize everybody is walking a path to go off into hell that doesn't know Christ? Is that too hard? I'm going to tell you the facts. You know what? I'm not preaching Tim Pruitt's idea. I'm preaching what this Bible says. We're accountable. Our generation is accountable. I'm not trying to be hard on you. I'm trying to tell you loves people enough. DJ, it's stuck. Love people enough. Lord, help me to love them enough to tell them the truth. <clears throat> he 
It says, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. The gospel and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world for a witness to all nations. Then shall the end come. Verse 15, and when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet and in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. What's he talking about? If you go back to Daniel 9, 27, you will find out they have signed a treaty. When the treaty begins to be signed, the Antichrist is going to move into Israel and he's going to help them set up this uh, sacrifice system and halfway through, three and a half years into it, after that signing, then they will, he will show himself and want worship for himself. And Israel will know they've signed a treaty with an enemy. But that's just one of the signs, and that sign's three and a half years into it. That doesn't mean it had to start there. That doesn't mean the tribulation. He's just telling you what's going to happen or what the signs are that you'll be able to see. One of it is the treaty that will be signed. That's why we, that's been looked for. It's been looked for, and they, they believe that the rapture of the church will happen before that, or right at that signing, somewhere in that area. I'm not trying to teach prophecy here. I'm not trying, I'm just trying to explain what, the, what is going on in this last generation. It goes on in Matthew 21, or 24, 21. It says, and then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. There'll be a time, listen to me, there'll be a time and there'll be something, there is something coming at the end of this generation that I'm talking about today. Can I tell you something? When it comes, it's never been like that before. You can say all these things. They've just been going on forever, and they're never going to change. I'm telling you, there's, this generation is going to see things that no flesh has ever saw before. God's going to pour out a wrath upon this tribulation time. And they, you're going to see that. They're going to see that. Those that are left behind will see it. Except those days be shortened, he said, there shall no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Look at verse 29. And immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Wow. Now, I don't know if you got what I just said there. But there's a day coming at the end of this where the sun ain't going to be able to shine. Did you hear what I just said? We count on that sun. Listen to your scientists. They'll tell you, you got to have that sun. We got to have that sun. They never could control it, but they think they can. It says, the sun will be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven and the power with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from four winds for one end of heaven to the other. 
say, why am I reading all that? I'm reading it because I want you to understand when you see those days come, the end of that tribulation time, when you go back and look in the book of Revelation and you begin to understand that that fits into this 24th chapter, this time of Revelation, all of these things that's being poured out from heaven above. But there'll be a day, 19th chapter Revelation, when Jesus will come back and he will change things. The Son of Man is going to come. Verse 33, so likewise ye, when you shall see all these things, Jesus said, know that it is near even at, that do at the doors. Verily I say to you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. He didn't say all the generations. He said this generation. Now get what I'm telling you. Because I don't know if that generation is 40 years, 50 years, 70 years, whatever it's going on. But since 1948 and Israel has been in their country, it's been 70-something years now. I hate to tell you, 2018 was 70 years. So it's been 74 years. How long? How long suffering is our God? What is he waiting on? I'm not trying to put him on no time schedule. I thank him for grace. I thank him for mercy. I thank him for forgiveness even still today. We don't deserve to be forgiven, but he forgives us. We don't deserve to cry out in the midst of a sinful nation, to cry out to him and say, God, help us, bless us, bless our children, give us grace mercy to go forward we don't have that right Jesus paid for it though and as long as God holds back and restrains from passing the judgment then it's our job to warn them I'm not trying to condemn nobody I got lost loved ones I'm no better than they are other than I know Jesus I know he's the answer it ain't going to change. He's still the answer. If this is our generation, and we all see it, we all talk about it all the time. Those that know scripture, you've read this throughout the Bible. You can read it from Zechariah and Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah. You can read all the way back through, and you find scriptures written about the end time. Well, if this is that generation, we ought to be a little bit nervous about what's going on. Our world ought to be nervous. Excuse me, but if they, we tell them the truth, they ought to be nervous about what's happening because there is no rock outside of Christ. There's no foundation. There is no anchor. He talked about the anchor. The anchor still holds. Aren't you glad our anchor still holds? Jesus, Bobby said it. Our anchor's not in the ground. It's not in the water. It's up in the heavens. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's the anchor that holds us. But if we let go of him like our country's doing, guess what we're doing? We're drifting away. We're drifting away from God. Don't you see us drifting? Don't, don't you look sometimes and say, how in the world can they think that way? 
How in the world can they tell our children they don't have to be a girl or a boy? How can they go there? I don't get it. There's got to be some evil, some evil spirits in the middle of this. It's not right. And we got to fight not only them, we got to fight the schools that's taking it on and, and, and handing it to them. Come on back up, man. In First Timothy, listen to what the Spirit of God says through Paul to Timothy. First Timothy, the fourth chapter. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Is that a sign of today? <laughs> Do you hear what I'm telling you? Is that a sign? I see a sign there. I don't know about you, but I see a sign of people departing from the faith, taking on what seducing spirits are leading them into and doctrines of the devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, and their conscience is seared with a hot iron. They have no conscience toward it. They don't care if your children are messed up for the rest of their life. You can't spank your children, moms and dads. Oh, well, that's abuse. But yet you can take your child and teach it something that's going to destroy its mind the rest of its life. And plant that in these little children that you saw out here. And then think they're going to outgrow it. They're not going to outgrow it. They're not going to part it and understand it. See, when we were kids, we were taught that. And you know what? We ought to be fighting to teach our children what's right. We ought to be real possessive about what God has given us. To hand it back to Him. To take what God has given us in our generation and pass it on to the next generation. Aren't you supposed to pass it on? I understand. You can pass some money. You can pass some ideals. You can pass them a job. But you cannot pass this if you don't give them the gospel. It's passing it on. 2 Timothy 3.13 But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. In 2 Timothy 3, uh, 3, 1 and through 5, this know this, you've heard this all your life. This know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. That's a lot of words in there. That's a lot of signs of what's happening today. I know when you look at your little children and you say, My kid will never do that. You parents ever said that? My kid wouldn't act that way. 
my, I'll whip my kids. I won't put up with that. I'll, I'll take care of this problem. You know what? We tried our best to raise our children the best we knew how. Mom and Dad tried to raise us the best they knew. It did, still didn't stop us from making our own choices. We went out, stepped into it every time we did it. Thought we was... Mom and Dad still thought we was good little kids, but we weren't good little kids. We stepped right into it, Bill. Ain't that a shame? We didn't have enough sense. We didn't have enough guts. We didn't have enough power of God inside of us to stand against what the enemy was trying to do. I can't blame my parents, but I can tell you, your parents can't save you. Mom and Dad, you can't save your children. You can only show them Jesus and tell them He forgives sin. Teach them that. And show them by asking forgiveness for yourself. Lead them. Don't just talk, talk about it. Lead them that way. Peter said this, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying to this, listen, listen to what they're going to say. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. How many knows that's what they're, they're already saying? Do we say, oh, God, show them a great sign? No. I say, God, have more mercy. God, hold back. I see loved ones. One place it says, the bride says, come quickly. Roman, or the last chapter of the Bible, last chapter of Revelation, where the bride says, come, come quickly. That's the church. Is the church crying out? If I see these little children here all week and I see their faces and I see their heart, can I just accept that the next generation will fall into the same trap and some will go off into hell? No. See, I, I think the day is coming when the church will cry out, Oh God, come quickly. The destruction's everywhere. The enemy has moved in. He's destroying our little children. He's destroying the innocence and the hearts of everyone. I don't know why these kind of messages, they're hard to say. They're hard to speak of. But they're the most important thing that I know of in this Bible. Because why? We're living there. We're there. This is not a generation to think way back that I can brag on God of what he's done. He parted the Red Sea. He did all those things. But can I tell you something? He is the God of the last generation. And he can do all things. And his word will come true. And he will pour out the wrath. Why? Because we reject him. Because we refuse to repent. We refuse to raise our children to know him and to teach them about God. 
I would apologize for preaching this way, but sometimes I can't help it. Sometimes it hurts inside to watch these little children and know some of them are already having problems in their lives. Some of them's already the enemy's working overtime in their homes to destroy them. They need a house of refuge. They need a place. They need a family of God that is true and blue to them. Praise God. Everybody stand, if you will. We Christians are not stuck in this generation. We're not stuck here. Listen to me. We're a chosen generation. I belong to the chosen generation. Can I tell you? I don't belong to this the last day generation that I see with these eyes, that I watch on the news, that I see all those bad signs. But I belong to the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the holy nation. We're somebody because Jesus made us somebody. Not because we're any better than anybody, but because we believe that he set us apart he delivered us and set us apart for his work, for his love that he has for us. Praise God. If you need to pray, you don't know Christ or you're not ready today, you need to get ready. I don't know when God will come back. When he does, it will be the twink of an eye. He won't have time to repent. Your time to repent is now. Your time when you see clear what's being said and the Spirit of God is dealing with your heart, it's time to make a change in your life. Time to surrender yourself to Him. While they sing, you come. I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It's closer now than it's ever been. I can almost hear the trumpet as Gabriel sounds the call at the midnight.
Aren't you looking forward to him coming again? That's the good part of this last generation. When Jesus opens up the heavens and he comes back. One place that talked about mourning, it was talking about the children of Israel. They will mourn when they look upon him whom they pierce. Why? Because all these years they've rejected him. But we, the church, will already be with him. That's the way I see it. We're coming back with him when he comes back on that white horse. Sounds like a fairy tale sometimes, but it's not. Just the same Bible that wrote down these things wrote down that God would send his son. God would provide himself a lamb, pay the price for all man's sin. How hard is it to turn away from him? when you know he's speaking to you. I remember getting nervous when I was under conviction. I can remember hiding behind people. I can remember Charlie Smallwood turned around and put his arm around me. That's all he had to do. And I just melted. And I kept thinking, they just quit singing, I'll be able to get out of here. I may not have ever had another chance after that day, I don't know. But I don't want nobody to miss heaven. I believe hell's real. I believe the devil's real. Charlie watching the news the other day. A lady come on as a guest to speak. It's on a regular news, Channel 19. And she was talking about all kinds of, oh, was it crystals and doing all kinds of stuff that she was putting, that she goes through every day to keep herself calm and at peace. She wants to teach everybody these things. And you know what? The enemy would have never raised his head like that years ago. But they got her as a guest on there announcing what she'd do for you. There's only one peace. There's only one truth. His name is Jesus. Don't give him part of you. Give him all of you. Fall in love with him. You'll find out how much he loves you back, how much he's already loved you. Pray for this country. Pray for the day we're living in. Pray for the grace and the mercy of God. Did you know what this generation, this dispensation is? It's the dispensation of grace. Grace will be over when Jesus comes back as far as the time period, then it's rule. He will rule. It's not mercy and grace no more. He will rule because he's right. 
she will set things right. And I said it before, there won't be no back alley meetings up in the White House to find out how we can get around it. He will reign and rule, and his people will reign and rule with him. I don't want to tell nobody what to do other than I want them to know Jesus. And I want them to be blessed by him. I want every one of these children, young and old, to be blessed by God. I want them to know what it means to walk with him.